Hey friends, welcome. My name is Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk a little bit. There's a little short rant about how our feelings don't necessarily affect truth. And then we're going to talk about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things that we can do to build our own emotional intelligence. Let's kick it off. This is the Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, friends, welcome back. Uh, Hope that you are having a good day whenever you are listening to this. I hope that your day is going well. I want to talk about uh, an email that somebody reached out to me about, and then we're going to get into kind of part two of last week, and it's not really intentionally part two, but I'm just going to give you the second half of the presentation that I gave that organization, talking about some emotional intelligence builders for yourself and for others that you can do. All right, somebody wrote in and they told me that they uh, just didn't believe that gratitude journals worked, and they were like, I just, there's, I've listened to a lot of your episodes, which I appreciate, and I just... A lot of stuff you say just doesn't work. Okay. And so we kind of went back and forth. I was like, well, what are your, what's your evidence that it doesn't work? And they said, well, it doesn't work for me. And I said, okay, well, it didn't work for you. What if I found one person that it did work for? Then we're even, right? And, and this is a conversation I have a lot with a lot of different people on a lot of topics. Uh, the spanking topic, often people will say, well, I was spanked and I turned out okay. And... Uh, you know, there's a general rule of thumb there. The more you have to say, this happened to me and I turned out okay, you're probably not as okay as you think. Like, like that's, I know that's that's harsh, but that's kind of reality. And, and, and even if you did turn out okay, I would only need to find one person who was spanked who didn't turn out okay for that then to be, so now your argument is null and void. Most of the arguments that we make are emotional, not logical. Even though we we couch them as logic, they're actually not logical. They're actually very emotional because if they were logical, we would take into account the possibility of the counter-argument having proofs. Okay, so what does this have to do with the email? Well, essentially, the person who was writing me, their argument came down to this. They felt that what I was saying wasn't helpful or what I was saying was inaccurate. And, and that's fine. Like, here's the rub that we're living at in our society today. You can feel anything you want, but it doesn't make it accurate. Just because you believe something doesn't mean it's accurate. There are people who have never had kids. They've read a book or two or taken a freshman psychology class, and they have advice for people on how to raise kids. That doesn't mean it's accurate. I had a whole conversation at the gym last week with a guy who he he was talking about how the problem with our society today is, is that uh, ac- we have we we pretend that academ- academia is static. That is to say that it doesn't move, but in reality it has. When you say, you know, well, in our house we believe in science. Awesome. I want to paint a picture for you. It's uh, two hundred years ago. Your doctor is at your house, and for the sake of this, even if you're a dude, you're a wife in this illustration, and your doctor says, "Madam, we need to bleed your husband." And you say to him, well, I'm not sure that that's the best thing for us to do. We've been bleeding him and it's not working. And the doctor says to you, Madam, I believe in science. Because science said 200 years ago that bleeding people was the way to cure them. 
And if you are Martha Washington, your husband's going to die because they believed in science. And, and so, like, there has to be some room for static movement in science and in the world. And, and we've moved this idea. We've done two things. Research suggests, I just this morning, when I wake up in the morning, I like to read kind of the headlines, kind of capture what's going on in the world. And, and I read a, an article or saw a headline about how, like, if you slept with even one book, or even one book, even one light on in your room, it could create some level of, of you know, mental trauma for your brain. And let me see if I can find it here real quick. I know you guys are, uh, uh, you guys, I could just pause my recording. But, but essentially what it was, was it was a study of 20 people. And even the researchers had to say the changes were not overly significant. In fact, they were actually rather minor, but the implications could be. Now, here's what happens. In our desire to feel significant, in our desire to feel uh, like we have meaning, in our, we, we, have, we, we have married meaning with intelligence, and we've married intelligence with the idea that we can quote research. The problem is we're not very good at vetting that research. And this came out as was this person I emailed back and forth. And, and I finally said to him, I said, look, it doesn't matter what you believe if you can't actually do real research. And the problem is in our society is we have lost the objectivity and, and we've just bought into this idea that everybody's biased every, and, and so we can't control it. Rather than saying everybody's biased and let's control it, We've, we've gone the other direction, and everybody's biased, and we just can't control it. So if something comes from CNN, it must be liberal, and if something comes from Fox News, it must be conservative. And if you're a conservative, you can out of hand dismiss everything that CNN says, and if you're, if you're a liberal, you can dismiss everything that Fox News says out of hand because they're on the opposite end of the spectrum that you are, and as long as you feel like they're wrong, it's okay. And, and this is not working, right? This is not working. When I talk to my church friends about youth group, and I asked them, is the youth group movement working? Yes. Okay, well, tell me why. Invariably, I get outlier statistics. I don't actually get real, like, actual numbers, which when you look into those, there's probably some hard conversations for my church friends to have. Uh, if, if you look at, like, like even conversations still about COVID and, and what's going on with COVID, and I know right now we're, we're, there's a lot of people anxious that we're staring down the, the wrong end of World War III. But, you know, a lot of conversations still going on about COVID. I was just talking to someone this week who's still very concerned about COVID. They're still very concerned about how COVID might affect them. They're still very afraid. Uh, they actually wear two masks when they go out in public. Uh, they wear gloves. Um, and, and immediately they, they started to talk to me about how, like, you know, one of their friends gives them grief because they wear gloves and that isn't how gloves work. And they're like, but I just feel better with the gloves on. And I asked them, I said, well, let me ask you this question. Is your friend right? And, and to which this answer was, was I, I think, the quintessential issue here that I want to get after. It doesn't matter if my friend is technically right. What matters is how I feel. And, and we can choose to live that way. But it's going to be a very difficult life. I actually think that one of the reasons we have such a high increase in childhood anxiety is because we've told kids this. What you, what you feel matters the most. And, and so this email, is, I finally was like, I, I appreciate you writing me. I don't know which episodes you're talking about. And, and they had binge listened, so they were unable to pick out the, the, the exact episode. 
And I was like, I, I actually, I, you know, in just a few weeks at the time of the writing, um, so part of this is this today's episode had already been recorded before what I'm talking to you about now, even though it's going to come after, uh, you know, and I, in just a few weeks, I'm going to re- list, a, you know, ha- have an episode where we're going to talk about a gratitude journal again, because the sample size of the research that has been done on gratitude journals is huge and the outcomes are consistent. And that's the type of research that we need to be chasing, that we need to be pursuing. Uh, one of my former students put up today something about how her toddler isn't sleeping. And the toddler sleeps well if comes to the if, if they take the toddler to the bed. But the minute they put him back in his crib, he screams. Like, like lose your voice. For two hours, he screamed. And I wanted to write, then just let him sleep in your bed. But I didn't want to deal with all the comments that I knew would be coming that aren't actually based in science. That aren't actually based in science. They're based in opinion. And here's the thing. It's okay to have an opinion. I have lots of opinions that are probably not based in science. My wife and my kids help me recognize them regularly. I just didn't want to deal with the time. What do you want? What are you willing to pay? What are you willing to risk? I wasn't willing to pay the time. But I am a firm, I am a firm believer in co-sleeping, bed sharing, uh, firm believer. And... There are inconveniences that come from that, but there are also great outcomes. And again, there's large bodies of science to support that. And we have to stop arguing from, from, from the margins. So what does all that have to do with today? Well, today we're going to talk about some things that you can do to build your own emotional strength. A couple weeks ago, I did 10 things that emotionally strong people do. Somebody wrote in and, and legitimately said, hey, how do we, like, what are things that I do to get there? And so here they are. There's, I think, seven or eight of them. Number one, have hobbies. You need to have hobbies if you're going to have good emotional strength because hobbies help us build emotional strength. I go to the gym. And in fact, it was funny. Just the other day, I usually get ready the night before. My kids were up in my room. I had gotten home late from work. So they're up in my room talking to me. And I was like, oh, I do not want to go to the gym tomorrow because it would be simpler to just sleep in. It would be easier to just sleep in. But there is a cognitive discipline that happens when I go to the gym that helps me emotionally. Because most of the time, the problem that we have, like when we talk, I've talked about this extensively, when we talk about anger management or emotional regulation, we're not actually talking about anger management or emotional regulation. We're talking about behavioral regulation, right? And I'm pretty sure I said it last week. I'm actually going to do a whole episode on it. Emotional regulation is feeling anything that you're feeling and bringing harm to no one. One of the ways that you build that ability is you have hobbies. Go to the gym, go fishing, go hunting, go writing, have a journal, uh, play video games. I, I feel like video games get such a bad rap. Playing video games can be a hobby. Now, they can be a, uh, they can be obsessive and you can waste time, but you can also do use that as a hobby because hobbies also allow you to check out. There are two things that hobbies do. One, like going to the gym, there's a discipline component to that for me. Even reading. I love to read. And reading can be a discipline component. Uh, But the other side of it is hobbies let you check out of, air quotes, real life for a little bit. They let you check out of the struggles of whatever it is that's going on in your life. So when I'm at the gym, I don't respond to emails. I don't respond to many texts. There are texts. There are people that could text me that I would respond to immediately. Uh, I don't don't scroll Facebook. I don't scroll uh, Instagram. I just have an hour 
to just be inside my head. I call it my headspace. So, so hobbies help you build emotional strength because they help you build your emotional intelligence. All right, number two, work the problem. If there is a problem that is caused that you are feeling distressed about, if there is a problem that you are feeling anxious about, if there is a problem that you need to solve, work that problem and don't give up until it's solved. This is so simple and I truly believe profound that it sounds stupid. The more problems you solve, the better you get at solving problems. And that boosts your emotional intelligence because you have to be able to solve problems to get through this life. I believe it was M. Scott Peck said that life is just a series of problems and we either teach our children to solve them or we teach them to be ruled by the problems. So we could we could take that and paraphrase it a little bit. Life is a series of problems to be solved and we either learn to solve them or we learn to be ruled by them. There is no in between. So if you have a problem that you need to solve, work the problem. It might mean bringing other people in. It might mean going and getting professional help. But whatever it is, work the problem. Number three, sleep. You need to get somewhere between seven to nine hours of sleep a night and you can't make up. So if you sleep for three hours the next two nights, you can't be like, okay, well, I'll sleep 15 hours and that will help me feel better. Now, you can catch up, so to speak, right? But the best thing you can do for your emotional wellness is to get regular sleep. Well, Joe, I struggle to sleep. A lot of people do. And so then you got to start looking at things. I often, where I start with people is, Tell me when you turn screens off or TVs off before you go to sleep. And there's some, there is some research that says you can do certain screens. You know, if the room is bright enough, you can do certain screens. Um, and and I, I think part of it is we don't do well handling anxiety. We think anxiety happens to us rather than anxiety is our response to stress. And so we lose sleep because we worry about problems that uh, we can't solve at three in the morning. And rather than seeking out strategies, this is why sleep comes after work the problem, rather than seeking out strategies to, to jettison that anxiety, we embrace it. Number four, engage in what I call a 15-minute book. This is a book that you read specifically for some sort of development in your life, professional development, personal development, uh, financial development. I guess that would be, I guess those would really be the only two broad categories, professional or personal. Uh, but a 15-minute book. This is a book that you read for 15 minutes every day, at least five days out of the week. And, and for some of my friends who are like, I never read books. I wish I had time. I hate that phrase. In fact, my response, what I'd like to say to that phrase, I can't actually say on a podcast because it might violate FCC rules. I'm kidding. I, I probably wouldn't violate FCC rules. But I just laugh. You do what you want to do when you want to do it, period. You make time for the things that are important to you. So if reading is important to you, you'll make time for reading. And so those 15 minutes are really important. And, and here's what happens. My, one of my daughters was like, I just don't like reading. Another one of my daughters loved reading. And, and there is this diversion of, of children, right? Like, so, okay, well, she likes reading, so I'm not going to like it. And, and that's fine at some level, I suppose, because that's, you know, that's normal. I, I think the danger there is what happens is, is that you have to outgrow it. And my daughter that didn't like reading, she at our school, they have to read for 20 minutes every day, five days a week. Suddenly she found that she likes reading. And now here, two or three years later, every once in a while, I get an email from Amazon. Oh, hey, your two books have shipped. I'm like, I didn't order two books. Oh, my daughter who doesn't like to read ordered two books because she spent 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day reading for a year. So, you know, just pick a 15 minute book. And a lot of people... 
don't read any books in a year. So if you picked one 15-minute book, you would probably get through two books this year. If you picked and just read one 15-minute book at a time, you would get through two books. And if you picked books that caused you to think or expanded your knowledge base or helped you better understand something, you would gain in other ways. Number five, engage in something bigger than you. One of the things that we do often is we make the world about us. And this actually hurts our emotions. When people say, I just need to be more selfish, I usually always want to spend a lot of time there because it's probably not true. What they're actually saying is they need to have more boundaries and boundaries feel selfish because they have a poor understanding of boundaries. But we really don't need more selfish people. We need more people who engage in things that are bigger than themselves. And this is good for your emotions. So join a cause. If, if, you want, if you're passionate about single moms, join something that helps them. If you're passionate about teenagers, join something that helps them. If you're passionate about elderly care, join something that helps them. Do something bigger than you. This will help your emotions. Create a gratitude journal. There it is. My, my friend who I was emailing with may not like this one, but the science is, is, there is a broad breadth of research on this. Your brain learns to focus on what you focus it on. So if you focus on being grateful, your brain starts to automatically think that way. So engage in a gratitude journal. Write out things that you're thankful for. Every day, spend five minutes writing out as many things as you can think of that you're thankful for. Or make it a list of three every day. I don't care which one, but do one. Maybe, maybe combine this with your 15-minute journal. Or your, excuse me, your 15-minute book. Uh, journaling in and of itself is a great is a great way to build some emotional uh, strength and intelligence because you relive your events then. And if you if you're especially if you're journaling for like what did I learn from this, your brain starts to change to focus on what can I learn from every situation I'm in. Where's the teachable moment for me? Exercise. Engage in regular exercise. Many of our jobs we just sit, and so. Engage in regular exercise. Uh, even if it's walking, like even if you got out and just walked for 30 minutes twice a week, you would be ahead of probably many people who are just not engaging in any physical activity. And physical activity can help your emotional strength. There are dangers. I want to be clear. There are dangers to all of these, right? So hobbies, you can lose time in hobbies and waste time just doing hobby things. Working the problem, you can be obsessed with that. Sleep, you can oversleep. A 15-minute book, you could read too much. You could engage in too many things that are bigger than you. You could journal all the time and just escape the real world by journaling. And you can over-exercise. Exercising for the point of exercise isn't actually what we're after here. What we're exercising for is to develop the whole person. And then you're going to have to manage substances, including foods. Right. Usually when I say manage substances, people think about drinking and, and I don't even know, like, what do you call marijuana? Like what kind of, I know I actually, I do know this. It's just not coming to my brain right now. Forgive me. I'm old. Uh, but, but any substance, including food, we can use and it can hurt our emotional strength because, because like, here's the thing, if I'm an emotional eater, what happens? Well, when my emotions get difficult, I go eat. Well, now my brain's wired to go eat the next time it gets emotional quicker. In other words, it wants to go eat more quickly because my brain is designed to do the last thing I did more quickly. And, and so it runs that way. And so as we get into that, what happens is we run into issues of not managing the substances that we're putting into our body. Or we over-control the substances that we put into our body. 
And, and both of these can hurt our emotions. So we want to engage those in a healthy way. Okay, I'm going to read the list one more time for you. Then we're going to end. Engage in good hobbies. Work the problem. If you have a problem, work it. If you need help, go get the help to work it. Get good sleep, seven to nine hours a night. Engage in a 15-minute book. Just read one book for 15 minutes, five days a week. Shoot for seven. You'll probably end up around four or five. Engage in something bigger than you. If your life is going to have meaning, it has to be about more than you. Have a gratitude journal. Exercise regularly and control the substances that go in your body. Next week, we're going to talk about how do we look at emotional intelligence from other people's eyes. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. One of the ways that we find meaning is to share things that we find valuable with other people. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.